All right. Happy Sunday. Usually I do these Twitter spaces closer to the evening, but because today is Mother's Day, and I know most are spending time with their family or spending time with themselves, you know, uh, self-care is uh, self-love, love all around. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Sunday. We'll get started with a spotlight matches for night three of Best of the Super Juniors 30. I have three matches picked out. We're going to start with those three matches, and we're going to work our way around the show and the match card for the other ones. What up, Reezy? Hey, what's up, man? Oh. I'm chilling, watching the Super Juniors, man. I'm good. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Um, I guess you get to hear my commentary on top of watching the Super Juniors. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, happy Mother's Day to your mom. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day to you and your family. Thank you, thank you. Um, all right, you get a front row seat. Uh, I was explaining a little bit earlier that... Uh, I'm going to do spotlight matches because there are three matches that stood out to me, and then we'll go around the other matches. Um, Yeah, so as always, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. This is a Twitter exclusive. It is being recorded, and this is me challenging myself to do a Twitter space for every single day that, you know, Best of Super Juniors is on. Today is night three or day three. So it is um, May 14, 2023. They were in Nagoya. And of course, it's Best of Super Juniors. Like I was explaining in the other two Twitter spaces, depending on where they go, their fans are going to be different. Nagoya fans are a little bit different as well. You do get that nice shouting effect in the background, but you do mostly get claps. And I was really surprised that the fans were chanting for certain wrestlers, and it was just really nice to hear it. Um, Going towards the first spotlight match for um, this show, we're definitely going to start with Block B, which had Akira Francesco versus Robbie Eagles. This match is definitely a must-see match from New Japan World. As always, guys, if you want to get a New Japan subscription, it is only $7 United States side with like a little bit of an exchange, a couple of cents, um, but it's not too much. It's not going to break, you know, it's not going to break your bank or anything like that. Uh, However, if you do end up getting the New Japan World subscription, please make sure to listen to the following ways and how to actually get it so you don't get charged twice. New Japan will take the first of every month. It does not matter what day you sign up. It kind of does matter, but let me get there. Uh, Let me get there as I say this. If you sign up within the first two weeks of uh, your, uh, the first two weeks of the month for the New Japan World subscription, you will be fine heading into next month. Now, let's say that at the end of the month, uh, depending on the month, if it ends on the 30 or the 31st, um, you will get charged twice because, like I said, they take it out every first of the month when it comes to the subscription. So please make sure if you want to get a New Japan World subscription, which is only 7 bucks US side, uh, please get it within the first two weeks so that way you can avoid all of that confusion. Because once it turns the first at like, 12 in the afternoon over in Japan, you're getting charged. Um, 
And again, I say that out of love for New Japan Pro Wrestling. I don't say it because they give me a commission or I'm affiliated with them. I just really enjoy their product and the service. And I really want uh, fans to understand how that process goes when you want to get a subscription. Now, with that being said, we're talking about Block B, Akira versus versus Robbie Eagles. I want to talk about the fans before I get into the match. Because this is where I was talking about a little bit earlier that like each fan... In, I should say, each crowd that they go to for the different cities is different. In the back, you can still hear the shouts for for Robbie and um, and Akira, and you can hear the female fans like loud and clear. And you could also hear the male fans as well. There was like this this like battle between um, one male fan going, you know, uh, cheering for like Robbie. And then another, and then the female fan was cheering for Akira. And I was like, that's so adorable. And it's only them going back and forth. We're like, really, really adorable. So this match was very, like, evenly matched. Like, you know, um, this is the first time that they're facing. This, ha- this isn't, they haven't faced before. And because it's the first time that, they, that they're facing, they have that natural chemistry, that natural competitiveness, that you know, some matches miss, uh, some wrestlers miss, and vice versa, that some matches have and some wrestlers have. Uh, in the beginning, Robbie ends up getting the advantage, and that takes Akira to the outside and a little bit off his game because, you know, Robbie has some time to taunt, and what does Robbie do, uh, do best? Uh, start his rally cry with the Robbie, 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 oi, oi, oi thing, and Akira being uh, hot-headed and an angry Italian, which, you know, I totally understand um, that whole entire uh, characteristic, um, you know, goes in and thinks that he can uh, get, you know, some offense in, which he eventually does. Um, Akira sends Robbie out to the outside and then does a plancha and then decides to send Robbie gut first into the ring apron, which, you know, it's a little bit aggressive, but, as we've been talking about and praising Akira, like he has definitely grown a lot and he understands that if there is a opportunity, a small window, you got to take it, you got to use it. You can't just let time pass because then you might end up missing that shot, that opportunity. And that could have been an easy win for, you know, the wrestler and stuff. Um, then after that, uh, he does a beautiful leg lariat, which I enjoy. Um, attempted pins, Robbie kicks out. There is a very deep chin lock stretch that uh, Akira does and traps the arm of Robbie. Uh, short drop kicks. Uh, but Robbie comes back and decides to cut Akira's speed by chopping him down to size, as they say. Uh, if you can eliminate Akira's speed, then Robbie will have the advantage and, like, vice versa. Because these guys are, like, super fast. Um, it should be, like, renamed to, like, best of the super fast juniors. But I'll stop now because I don't think that joke is... Yeah, that was stupid. Um, but <laughs> it's just me talking off the top of my head. Um, Robbie Eagles does go for the Ron, the Ron Miller special. Um, but there's a rope break. We get this awesome counter to the Poison Rana that Akira is going to do on Robbie, and Robbie does a turbo backpack, um, which if you ever seen Robbie Eagle do a 
terrible backpack or any of his moves. Like they are very beautiful to look at. Um, but oh wait. I messed that up. But either way, his turbo backpacks are amazing. Um, I meant that I have what do I have in my notes here? By the way, this is all live and coming off the top of my head. If I was doing this on my laptop with Audacity, I would be able to go back and like really like cut and chop it up and like edit as I go. But we're gonna keep it rolling because there's no way I could edit this shit until like afterwards. Um Let's see. Robbie does this cool little like sweep of the legs to get someone to like sit in the corner, which no one else really does. Robbie uh, ends up dodging the fireball and again going for that Ron Miller uh, special, but Akira is like, no, not this time, and uses uh, Robbie's weight against him to try to get to try to sneak in a pin victory, but. Uh, Robbie's like, oh, you're not going to get one up on me. And then until later on, Robbie goes for a uh, 450, misses it. Um, and then Akira does fireball, and Akira manages to get the victory over Robbie Eagles. Man, honestly, I would have never known like who I was going to pick, um, but it was a beautiful, fast-paced match between these two guys that represents... The Super Juniors, and yeah, Akira has definitely grown a lot in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I am really glad to see that growth uh, from when he first came in to, like, all the way to now. And, you know, Robbie has also been an excellent wrestler in New Japan. He was also just trying to find his way from going from group to group to group and then landing on uh, TMDK. And now there's that aggressiveness to him, that, like, sureness. So... It's only, you know, time will tell about, you know, how far and what they're going to do with Robbie in uh, New Japan. Uh, we could always speculate, you know, the young career of Akira, but, you know, Robbie's the, the veteran. So um, if you guys have New Japan World, make sure to go watch Akira versus Robbie. That was a very, very, very good match. Um, our second spotlight for this whole entire show will be Block A, TJP versus Mike Bailey. Man, I, you know, in my notes, I really did put that we have, like, smart wrestlers because both of them were, were playing the smart. Um, and they, like, I couldn't decide if this is going to be, like, a match or a game, so to speak, of chess or checkers. It felt more like chess where TJP would have the upper hand, you know, maybe have like, um, what do we say in chess? That like, you know, two steps forward and then like Mike Bailey would come out and like, you know, take one of those steps away and like it'll be Mike Bailey having the advantage. Um, you know, these guys are very technically sound they're freaking awesome to watch. So I really think it was a matter of them playing chess and who could get checkmate rather than checkers. I know more about chess than I do about checkers, um, but I do see people and hear people use the phrase of, oh, you know, uh, while this group over here is playing chess, the other group is playing checkers. So, you know, they're not the same. 
Um, if anybody can like explain to me that weird phrase that people use of like, oh, you know, they're playing checkers, not chess when it comes to like, I guess, business moves. So I can understand a little bit. That'd be great because, you know. But yeah, this match, TJP versus Mike Bailey was definitely them playing chess. Um, TJP, you know, uh, does all of his stuff. That's that, that's very vague. <laughs> I'm just looking at my like um, at my notes, and I'm just like, yeah, he does all this stuff. Um, TJP manages to get Mike Bailey onto the outside, and also drives Mike Bailey's midsection into the apron of like what we saw with Akira doing to Robbie Eagles in the last match. There's many times that Mike Bailey dodges uh, TJP's uh, move sets, and uh, Mike brings out that rapid-fire kicking that he does. Then there was this really uh, interesting segment. Segment might be the wrong word. Uh, thing that happened during, like, in the ropes where TJP would usually do, like, some type of move coming in from the ropes, like, sliding in, but Bailey caught him and uh, was about to, like, monkey flip him into the rope. I forget the actual term of like when slingshot. Oh my God. Why could I not have remembered that when I was writing these notes? Slingshot him into the ropes. I can't believe I have to like speak out loud to like try to remember it. There we go. I got to add that in my notes now. Where Bailey was uh, trying to slingshot TJP into the ropes, but TJP used his like upper body weight to like really grab the ropes and hug onto it and tell the referee like, yo, it's a rope break. And then TJP just manipulates the rules and decides to do like a, guil a guillotine choke on Bailey on the ropes. And then the ref was like, nah, we're not having that. Like you gotta, you gotta break that. TJP did say yesterday on commentary that, you know, um, he knows the rules. He just bends the rules. It's not like he's breaking the rules. Um, Okay. Bailey does that like amazing shooting star press. Um, sometime in the middle of the match, TJP actually stomps the foot of Bailey. Bailey was not uh, limping at all. Um, he didn't really uh, make his foot a target because yesterday's match with Show, uh, Show definitely went after his foot. So, um, you know, in this match today, Bailey wasn't really showing signs until TJP decides to stomp the foot. Then again, this is why I say that wrestlers wear uh, shoes. So that way your feet could be, you know, nice and good. Uh, there's that beautiful moonsault by Bailey to TJP. Uh, Bailey misses the ultimate weapon, which has got him, which has got gotten him the victory uh from night one and night two um tjp does his stretch to bailey it was really like deeply put in we get combo attacks we get a swing ddt um there's a lot of attempted uh pins in this match but the really the 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 attention to detail this there's like something I really, really want to point out here, which I'm gonna read it from my notes, but this is something to watch if you're studying wrestling, because you always want to have like a good chemistry in 
your matches, you don't necessarily want to make it look like it's 100% choreographed. Like, yes, we do know that, you know, um, the matches are choreographed. There are things that, you know, you guys talk about to have like spots and stuff, but like to not make anything like super obvious, I would definitely say like watch TJP versus Mike Bailey for best of the super juniors night three. And I say that because there's this sequence that went on and I was like, that is so beautiful and it makes sense. And the timing was just perfect. So this is how it went. TJP was on the top rope. Mike Bailey went up to follow him, but TJP manages to push him off to where Bailey hits uh, like front his whole body first. Um, and then that's when Bailey, you know, turns over on his back for TJP to do his Mamba Splash. But TJP does not connect with that Mamba Splash. So as TJP is recovering on the miss, that momentum is sending him into the corner where the, the turnbuckle is. And then Bailey gets up like the second after uh, TJP misses and does that like that rotation um, spinning kick that you guys all see him do, and it connects with TJP. And the beauty of it is that, you know, just as TJP is turning into the turnbuckle, sorry for, I guess, um, you know, revealing a little bit more wrestling, um, you know, as he's just turning into the turnbuckle, um, not not too long afterwards, maybe like four seconds, five seconds tops, um, you know, here comes Bailey with his foot to connect to TJP. So it all looked very seamless, very smooth. And then right from there, uh, that is when uh, Mike Bailey decides to follow up very quickly, do the, fl- do the flamingo driver, and then get the cover and gets the one, two, three. And Mike Bailey ends up getting two points for best of the super juniors. So I basically broke that whole sequence down for you guys to sort of hear it. But if you see it, it's a lot more like impactful than probably me just talking about it. But just the way that it went, it was like, that looks like the most perfect chemistry there is. Now, then again, like both of these guys like are like veterans and they know what they're doing and they had many, many matches and all of that. So the whole match looked you know, great as always, but that in particular, I was like, that should be highlighted because wrestlers should, you know, always try to make their matches look as realistic as, you know, non-spotty, non-choreographed um, uh, as like, you know, going a full 100% to reveal everything. Um, matches are supposed to still have that magic within them. So that way you could get lost in the storytelling, get lost in the acrobatics, get lost in, you know, the amazing thing that all these guys do, all these women do. So I think that's a very good match for people to study. Now, I totally forgot to tell you in the last match that uh, because Akira won, that gives him two points for Best of the Super Juniors. Um, and then uh, the last spotlight match before we get into like the other matches that I didn't uh, talk about yet. Um, Block A. Leo Rush versus Hiromu. This is the main event to night three of Best of the Super Juniors. 
this was really good. You know, um, Hiromu is the master of self-endurance when it comes to professional wrestling. He is the master of that. Like, if, if you ever get into a match with Hiromu, just know you have to go the distance. It's not about, like, getting the quick pins or anything like that. Like, Hiromu has endurance and perseverance. Why, why, why do I want to be, like, perseverance? He does. But most importantly, he has a lot of endurance and he plays the long game. So, like, you may not work on your endurance a lot um, and that might end up costing you the match. So I would suggest to, you know, if, you ever, if you're ever going to face Hiromu, like, work on your endurance. I would like to know what Hiromu does outside of wrestling to work on his endurance. Like, I would want to know, man, because Hiromu versus... Leo was like, you know, going the distance and like really trying to survive. Um, they're both evenly matched. We both seen Hiromu versus Leo Rush in the past. Um, I just can't think of a match at the moment. Um, but that's what happens. Uh, we get this really cool thing that uh Leo Rush wanted to do uh with um Hiromu is that uh both of them are on the outside. Leo Rush, you know, acts politely to get a chair from the fans, uh, sets the chair up, put Hiromu in there, and Leo Rush decides to run around the whole ring and decides to do some type of some type of an attack. However, Hiromu was waiting, and Hiromu decided to, you know, stop him and do a back body drop on Leo Rush onto the chair. The chair breaks in two, which is kind of interesting. I didn't think that it would be, you know, that weak when we know New Japan does not invest in prop tables. So, you know, you can't break a table, but you can certainly break a chair. Unless, like, those weren't the chairs that New Japan uses and it was the chairs of, you know, the place that they were in. But either way, man, like, you know, chairs break more than um, tables in New Japan. So, because of that, Leo's back is already fucked. So, this match didn't really go that super high-fast pace that uh, you guys know Leo Rush for. However, it was still a good match. It wasn't like, you know, everything went to shit. Um, So, after that, we get some chops to Leo. Hiromu does a head scissors uh, to... Leo, like, Hiromu was slowing everything down. And you guys know that Hiromu can go fast as well, too. That's why Hiromu... Hiromu's like a chameleon. He's like a chameleon, man. Um, Leo Rush manages to roll over to the ropes to get that rope break. And decides to do, like, three dives to Hiromu, trying to pick up that speed and put the fact that his lower back was in pain in the back of his head... Leo Rush manages to do a very uh, high knee to Hiromu and this like air, this airplane body slam to him as well. However, Hiromu is like, oh, that's all good, and does his famous uh, Death Valley driver into the corner turnbuckle. This usually helps to set up for moves like Dynamite, uh, Dynamite Plunge and uh, Time Bomb. Uh, if Hiromu can definitely work on your back, you know, there's an easier chance for him to win by hitting those moves. 
uh, Hiromu does uh, a fireman's carry um, and drop to Leo Rush on the apron. Think of it like an attitude adjustment in AA. That's exactly what he did. Uh, he basically did the John Cena move to Leo on the apron. Um, and talking about the dynamite plunger, uh, that is when Hiromu does that to Leo. Leo kicks out. Um, Leo does an inverted final hour. So if you guys don't know what the final hour is, it's basically his splash that he does off of the top rope. It looks similar to a frog splash. It probably is a frog splash, but it's to me, it's it's similar, not similar. It's a cross between a frog splash and like a regular body cross body. That might be so weird, but you know, uh, there's probably some like slight differences between the two. Um, but yeah, so he does an inverted one and then decides to do a regular one. But Hiromu gets the knees up. Like Hiromu can see that thing coming from a mile away. Uh, Leo Rush manages to escape uh, Time Bomb uh, the first time around and then we get this Spanish Fly and like Cutter combination um, so the Spanish Fly is first and then a Cutter now the most surprising thing in this match which I really do think that when I saw it I was like Leo had to give him some uh, some props or not props but like had to tell Hiromu, yo, let's, you know, let's do this one spot because no one is no one is going to uh know that you know you, you did this. Um that's probably the wrong way of putting it, but like he taught Hiromu something that Hiromu never really does at all in any of his matches. So Leo ends up going to the top rope to do uh to do final hour. As he leaps off the top rope and comes down, Hiromu hits him with a cutter in midair. Now, we see this almost all the time on the indies, and we see this, you know, with Randy Orton doing this out of, like, anywhere and everywhere uh, whenever he plucks somebody out of midair and does, you know, the RKO. And that's exactly what Hiromu did with Leo Rush. We just we just call it a cutter right now because I don't know if uh, Hiromu is going to keep that. And I thought that that was a very interesting thing to try um, in this uh, match. But like I've been like I've been saying for the past two uh, Twitter spaces that um, this is where these guys pull out like all their stops. Um, if they're on the road to, uh, you know, to that pay-per-view, uh, they're not really going to pull out like, you know, major moves like this, brand new moves like this. Or anything of that, they wait until like the pay per view or the tournament to really give like really good matches, really good shows, and this is one of them. And this is you know Leo Rush helping, um, you know his colleagues a little bit better, you know, to do different things that they might have thought like, oh, why would they do that, you know? Uh, so I really did like this this spot of Hiromu doing the cutter on Leo um, because it was just something different. Um, so now, after all of that, um, Hiromu tries to go for the pin. Leo kicks out. We get this Poison Rana um, plus his stunner that he does from the um, from the bottom rope, which I believe it's called Rush Hour. I think I've heard that for that before. 
Um, so we get that combination. Um, and Hiromu, man, when Hiromu gets hit with that stunner, he sells it like he sells it like the rock. <laughs> he really does. He sells it like the rock, and I'm like, Hiromu. Uh, but you know, it's it's Hiromu. Um, Hiromu's a very lovable wrestler. Uh, we do get another final hour from Leah Rush, but this time it's to the back of Hiromu because as Hiromu was trying to roll away, he didn't roll away fast enough. Uh, but Hiromu kicks out of that because Hiromu was like, no, I still got some energy. However, uh, we try, well, not we, they try uh, one more time for this final setup where Leo does a bunch of flurry headbutts and then does a final hour, and that basically gives him the one, two, three, and wins against Hiromu, which that gives Leo Rush two points in Best of the Super Juniors. Now, because Hiromu has been beaten by Leo Rush and Mike Bailey in Best of the Super Juniors, Hiromu is our IWGP Super Junior heavyweight champion in the event that Leo and or well just or Leo or Mike Bailey do not win best of the super juniors right they do have future title shots lined up now it's not confirmed as I say that however given New Japan's track record if you do beat the champion New Japan likes to honor the fact that you defeated one of their champions. It's not like here in America where, like, if you beat a champion, you never hear back from, like, hey, do I get that title shot? And they're like, yeah, we could talk about it, but, like, it never fucking happens. Over in Japan, if you beat a champion, you will probably end up getting that title shot to prove if you can take the belt off of them. So... I just think that with the recent stuff that's been happening in New Japan with, um, you know, Hiromu challenging Sonata for that IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title and Hiromu, you know, really wanting to go into the heavyweight division because he's done everything in the juniors division and he's been wonderful at it. As the face of the, of the Super Juniors, he's wonderful. However... The Super Juniors are now getting an influx of wonderful wrestlers. So even if Hiromu, you know, got his wish to go into uh, the heavyweight division, uh, the Super Junior division will be fine. A couple years ago, it wouldn't be like that. A couple years ago, you know, there was a reason why Hiromu, you know, stood around. Um, but I personally would love to see Hiromu go into the heavyweight division um and see what he can do with the heavyweights um but Hiromu has like that heart of gold that it doesn't matter what weight class he goes into he's gonna go into any of his matches uh with all that fire with all that heart and like you know survive because he has that endurance like he survived against murder grandpa Suzuki by enduring I think it was like 200 and like 30-something chops that, like, both of them together, like, exchanged in that G1 Classic match where it was just a chopping fest, but it was really good because of, like, who was in it and what they were doing and how they set everything up, you know? Um, 
so I would really love to see Hiromu in uh, the heavyweight division, you know, trying to do something. I want to see Hiromu grab, you know, the never open weight championship title. Uh, you know, maybe they could set up, you know, in the future for him to go against David Finley. Uh, you know, maybe he could go for the Kanepo Wrestling uh, championship title, which I still don't consider it a championship title, but that's just me. It has to grow on me, a, a, like some more. Um, but you know, he could probably go for that. You know, he could go for the six man, uh, tag team titles, which wouldn't be a very bad thing. Um, imagine if he goes for the heavyweight tag team titles, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Or even go after Zack Zaber Jr. for that, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling World, well, the NJPW World Championship title. There's so much stuff that he can do, and I don't want him to just stay in the division. So in the event that... Leo Rush and or I gotta stop saying and or in the event that Leo Rush, Mike Bailey, or whoever wins Best of the Super Juniors dethrones Hiromu, I think I'll be okay with Hiromu exiting the junior division to go and become the greatest wrestler to watch in New Japan Pro Wrestling just because of everything that he has given us. And, you know, us being appreciative of it. Um, but, yeah, those are the three uh, matches to check out. Block A, Leo Rush versus Hiromu. Block A, TJP versus Mike Bailey. And Block B, Akira versus Robbie Eagles. Um, so now let's get into the other matches I didn't talk about. It's probably not going to be that much. Um, I'll give you guys, like, the story behind it um yeah because you know not every night is going to be like a big hit of a night um because they are doing this back to back to back i am surprised that tomorrow monday may 15th that they're not having a best of the super juniors um that is their day off um most likely to get to the next uh city because you know, they travel, like, really long on those uh, New Japan buses. So tomorrow there will be no, um, you know, uh, best of Super Juniors. So what I'm planning tomorrow, after I run some errands uh, in the morning uh, and I come back home, I will be jumping on kick.com forward slash Marie Shadows to do a very quick, um, you know, review of night one, two, and three. So if you guys love to support people who live stream, especially on different platforms, uh, make sure you are following and head over to kick.com forward slash Marie Shadows so that way we could talk about it um, and, you know, more stuff for that. But that's what I'm going to do on Monday is a is a quick, um, you know, recap uh, for everyone that wants to watch online on the interwebs rather than, you know, listening to me chat about it. So back to this. We're going to start from the beginning. Block B had Yoshinobu versus Kevin Knight. Um, this was a weird one. Um, so Kevin Knight has a lot of speed. Yoshinobu definitely feels like that uncle. That's just like, slow it down, kid. So that's exactly what he did in this match. And he was definitely uh, working on... Kevin's knee because, you know, Yoshinobu's thing is uh, to work a hold and to make sure that, you know, he 
bangs you up as much as he can. And, um, you know, you basically tap out to that figure four. So he was controlling Kevin's knee throughout this whole entire um, match. And Kevin knows this. So he had to make sure that, you know, he tries to get a rope break, you know, uh, whenever he can and tries to offer some offense with like some elbows. But Yoshinobu is like, nah, we're not going to have that. Until Kevin uh, pulls out, you know, that wonderful drop kick that he does. And, um, oh, a big cross body splash. That's what I said. Uh, Kevin follows it up with uh, a big cross body splash with that sky high sit out power bomb. Um, but then, even after those attempted pins, Yoshinobu is like, I'm still going to cut your speed down with a drop kick to his knee. And even with all of that, Kevin still manages to pull out a leaping hurricanrana off the ropes, um, ends up doing a super kick and uh, a DDT and ends up pinning Yoshinobu. So Kevin gets two points against Yoshinobu. Block A is a very interesting matchup. It's Show versus Taguchi. Now, if you guys have been listening to me for the past couple of episodes, I have been giving praise to uh, House of Torture. Um, House of Torture is a household name, whether or not you want to agree with me. Um, but I did notice something that on show's t-shirt, uh, there is no sign of Bullet Club. The logo of Bullet Club is not on show's t-shirt. Now, I'm not sure if show is wearing like an old t-shirt, even if even though it says House of Torture, but like there's no Bullet Club sign. So maybe, maybe quietly... Uh, House of Torture moved away from Bullet Club, but then again, I don't know if somebody can like reach out to David so that way I can get like an interview with him and set something up and like ask questions because I have a lot more questions than answers. And sometimes, you know, you need like 50 50, not like so much questions, little answers because you know, story matters, details matter, you know. Um, Bullet Club is becoming its own thing. It's starting over. It's, you know, resetting. So I just want to know if House of Torture is still in there or not. Um, but like I said, that House of Torture does not need Bullet Club. They could go on their own because it's House of Torture. So this match was very interesting because, you know, show uh, basically grabbed the mic and was like, hey, Taguchi, you know, you better bring your A-game, you better, um, you know, uh, fight serious, because uh, I'm going to fight you serious. So when Sho takes off of, takes off his, uh, you know, ring attire, he's wearing a Hantai shirt, right? And everybody in the crowd was like, they had this like, ooh, ah type of thing, like, you know, that just, that they just sound off. And I was just like, what is going on? So we actually get like a wrestling match. Um, this whole entire match had, um, you know, Taguchi pulling out the ankle lock any way and anywhere he sees uh, fit against uh, against Sho. Sho was trying his best. He really was. But, you know, Taguchi is, you know, now the master of the ankle lock because it doesn't matter what Sho did, Taguchi went back to that. Um, we get uh, Taguchi with his blue thunder bomb, which, by the way, I really do enjoy when wrestlers do the blue thunder bomb uh show kicks out and then of course of course we have to have a ref bump like can we can we have like a whole entire show new japan without having a ref bump 
Like, I think House of Torture abuses the shit out of ref bumps. Do do referees get bonuses for, for taking bumps? I, I know the answer is probably going to be no, because I know a few refs that are very good, and I don't think they get extra pay. But, like, referees should get extra pay if they got to take a ref bump. Like, I really do think that that should be a thing. Like, don't abuse that idea. Just, you know, it should be fair. Um, so, because um, show decided to, like, throw Taguchi into the ref because Taguchi still had the ankle lock on. And, you know, as show decided to go forward more, Taguchi hit the referee. The referee uh, goes out the ring and then the lights, cu- the lights cut out. Uh, this time in the span of like maybe like three seconds, it was out, so I couldn't do the, you know, did you know, did uh, New Japan pay for, for the light bill? I couldn't do that joke. But um, as the lights come on, it's evil in the ring, and then you know you can hear the crowd being like, being like, oh, what the fuck is this guy doing here, right? Um, but it looked like evil was going to be the referee. And I bought it. Everyone else bought it. The whole crowd bought it. And, you know, because Eva was just like, you ready, show? And then you ready, Taguchi? And he was like, all right, fight. And then he's like, nah, Taguchi, wait a minute. I have to, uh, you know, know, pat you down because, you know, standard in wrestling, you got to make sure they don't have a weapon or whatever. But then then show comes in with a fucking low blow and then taking the wrench and hitting – Taguchi, uh, and then that, and then does the the shock arrow, which is his finisher, and pins Taguchi. Man, I I know that like people might end up getting on me to be like, oh, how can you like House of Torture, or you should know, you should see this coming from a mile away. Sometimes I wanna, you know, be surprised and be happy about a weird-ass turn of, like, silliness from House of Torture, because I don't take it as seriously as others when, you know, they'll be like, oh, you know, it's House of Torture, like, get them off my screen, or whatever the case may be. Like, yeah, they are freaking annoying. I totally understand that, but at the same time, you want to see what happens. You want to, you know, still support them because you're watching to see how it unfolds. Um. But yeah, you know, I I would say that I got, you know, way too into it. Like, even in my notes, I have evil as ref with a question mark and an exclamation point. Like, you know, I was even like, what is going on here? You know, I I don't mind a little silliness from like time to time. Um, So after show pins Taguchi, we get that post-match beatdown on Taguchi, which is just tiny. And then... Uh, Evil and Show uh, cut the Hantai uh, t-shirt and then also the Taguchi t-shirt that, you know, Taguchi wears. Um, they both cut those shirts. So because Show pinned Taguchi, that gives him two points. Um, now we head to Block B of Clark Connors versus Bushi. And you guys know I love Clark. Uh, I say nothing but good things about Clark Connors, and I'm happy that he's in Bullet Club. There's just this very slowness, this methodicalness that he's wrestling as or with. Um, And I just need it to be a little bit more, 
don't know, a little bit more sped up, but I don't mean in like speed. I mean in like, you know, focus on what you have to do instead of like yelling at the crowd uh, just because you're a heel. Like I totally get it, you know. Um, most of the time when he was doing that in Nagoya, they really weren't responding to it. They were like freaking out about it. So I'm just like, uh, yeah, they're not they're not doing what like Americans would do. Like, you know, if Clark decided to yell at like an American fan, um, if whenever they send him out here for like strong or whatever, you know, we're gonna like yell back at him, and that's the kind of reaction you want. Um, but even though I think even getting a scared reaction from Japanese fans is also a good thing, but it doesn't it doesn't really look right, feel right, and it feels out of place. So I'm just like, man, there has to be a way to do this with Clark. Like, you know, like I said, Clark is very good. He's fucking fantastic. And then to have Gato at his side is also a bonus. It's just the tiny little things that I'm that I'm watching. I'm like, that could be a little bit better. And like I said, this is all going to go back to depending on where they go. Depends on the fan reaction. Kirk and Hall. Clark Connors is a fucking rock star. Anywhere else, if it's not like Tokyo Dome, you know, that type of crowd, like, you know, this, this place is where Clark would be a rock star for the antics that he does versus um, going to other places where he's not going to be a rock star. Um, and I don't know if I were to suggest that if he were to talk you know, a little bit in Japanese. He doesn't have to be, like, full-blown, you know, conversations and shit. But, like, if he were to talk a little bit in Japanese as a heel, if that will work. Because, like, you know, I get it. You, uh, as the foreigner there, the gaijin there, you know, you're gonna play up that, you know, you're not from there, so why should you learn Japanese? But you know, maybe learning a little bit of Japanese that can be used to your advantage um, can definitely shake up some people because most, I would think that most Japanese people don't think that you're going to learn their language. The same way, like, if, you know, most Spanish people don't think you're going to, like, learn their language, um, you know, saying that you're not, like, hanging out with, like, Spanish people, because if you hang out with Spanish people, you eventually learn the language just on a conversational level. But generally speaking, if you're not, like, around that, you know, you might not learn it. So most of the time, Spanish people will think that you're not going to learn their language, if any of that makes sense. But, yeah, this is me just trying to, like, think off the top of my head in real time based on, like, the notes what I see during the matches, because, uh, man, like, I really do sit down and watch every little thing that happens and listen to every little thing that happens. It's not just me focusing on, like, the matches and, like, the moves. Um, it's everything that it that makes up professional wrestling because it's the best fucking thing that I love. And what I love more is to try to give some type of feedback or suggestion to be like, hey... This is how you can elevate that a little bit more so that way you can get that crowd to react to the way that you want them to, to react. The most important thing is you have to understand your audience because this is why it's a good thing to 
venture out of the United States when you're a wrestler if you have the means to do it. But like, if you can venture out outside the United States, you can understand how to work the crowds when you come back because then you understand like different places get a different reaction. And I guess we can say that here in the States, but it's just so familiar here. You know, I, I always am a firm believer that if you travel somewhere outside of uh, uh, familiarity, that you'll be a better person for it. You'll gain more knowledge. You'll have a better outside perspective, like your whole entire skill set. So, like, if anybody ever played Skyrim, you know how, like, your skill set is there and then, like, it levels up? That's exactly what happens when you uh, leave something that is so familiar to you to go learn something else that's not, um, well, well, I was going to say that's not normal. But if you go outside your comfort zone, all your skill level will just go up. Um, So, yeah, that's just me trying to give some suggestions and feedback about Clark Connors and how... Maybe he can get over with uh, some of the uh, uh, crowd members because, um, you know, Nagoya wasn't really like giving into what he was really doing to them, and I just felt so bad. I was just like, man, like if you're if you're yelling at them, like that's not they're not reacting right. So anyway, Block B had Clark Connors versus Bushi. Um, I had mentioned before that uh, Bushi sticks to the game plan. Um, so Clark isn't playing around in this one, so he starts with that huge tackle, throws Bushi into the corner, uh, you know, thrown to the outside and decides to throw him into the ring post like twice, then suplex him and does a straight jacket chin lock on Bushi. Uh, for most of the part, for most of the, yeah, for most of the match, not the part, for most of the match, it's mainly, um, you know, Clark Connors uh, taking advantage of Bushi. Okay. Uh, again, we're doing this live where I can't really edit and I could just, you know, go off the top of my head. Uh, Clark still has his uh, Jeep flip that he does, which is like the pounce on Bushi. Uh, Bushi ends up getting in some offense because, you know, Clark Connors was like really not allowing Bushi to do anything. Bushi comes in with that short drop kick and then does a, a dive uh, to Clark, followed up by a DDT. Um, and Clark does a power slam. If anybody knows me and listens to my uh, content, I really do love when wrestlers do power slams. Like, they really look amazing. Um, so, Bushi does end up getting a near fall. However, Clark turns it around by doing the spear. And then his no chaser finisher. And, uh, you know, he pins Bushi and that gives him two points for his match. Clark gets two points. That wasn't uh, understood. Then we move on to block A, which is Taiji Ishimori versus Doki. This was a really good one, but it didn't really make my... um, my spotlight match, like I was talking about um, earlier, um, it was good. It's just that I'm not sure when they're going to give Doki his flowers. Um, and thankfully, uh, Chris Charlton was on commentary because he really summed it up best about Doki. Is that Doki's in this phase of trying to find his style. 
And Doki can do such amazing things, whether that's working at a fast pace, um, fast pace and or medium pace. I've never seen him work a, a slow pace, but he always pulls out these type of wrestling moves that are just wonderful to look at. And they're very, very powerful. Like um, you guys can imagine that like Taiji has like this match, like very slowing down and like, um, making sure that Doki is grounded because if he's not grounded, that speed is gonna like fuck somebody up. Uh, but I do want to mention that uh, Doki does this swinging suplex move, and this time around he did it with a bridge, so a bridge pin combination. Like it's the most amazing thing to look at because Doki is not that tall of a wrestler. I believe he looks around the same height as Taiji. Maybe like a couple inches more. But he's not like Okada six feet tall type of guy or even like a Baron Corbin type of guy because the swinging suplex that Doki does is you could think of it like how Baron Corbin has his finisher. It's similar to that except in a suplex form. My throat is getting dry. So, you know, it's very interesting and nice when he hits this, but it does take a lot of uh, energy out of him because, you know, he's he has to use... The, no, he's not really using the other guy's weight, but just to throw that, that weight around, that's not his. Um, Taiji ends up catching uh, Doki's uh, move called Daybreak, Um and then we get a front buster by who do we get a front buster by? We get it by Doki. Cause Taiji kicks out. If anybody know if anybody wants to know, I am read I'm like looking and reading from uh, my notes. Doki was very persistent on doing the Doki Choki, uh, which is basically Milano's uh move uh where he holds uh, your two hands uh, through uh, his legs that are locked around um, the opponent's neck. Um, and we all thought that uh, Taiji was going to uh, kick out. And, you know, no, we, we all thought that Taiji wasn't going to kick out. He was going to tap out. But Taiji managed to survive. And then Taiji, at the end of all of this, ends up doing the bone lock and, like, really gets it in deep. And has Doki tapping out, so Taiji gets two points. But yeah, um, that's that's the thing. Like, I wish that Doki would go for championship titles, would go for like something um, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, you know, it's always good to watch Doki matches, but I guess once he settles on. Um, you know, his, uh, his style, then like, it would be, it'll be better. Um, block a had Kushida versus Teton. This was a very interesting match only because, um, uh, it's Kushida and Teton. Uh, Teton is a very fast paced luchador and you have Kushida using judo moves and his strength and awareness 
for um, his matches. Um, this one had a weird little thing that went on where um, Kushida was running through the crowd and Teton was following him. And then they finally ended up getting back into the ring for Kushida to work on Teton's left arm. Uh, and then putting him in like a cobra twist, getting a rope break, and some crossbody. And the weirdest thing is that the ending of this is we get Teton like really taking advantage and really like going full force against Kushida with a DDT off the ropes. A running cross body dive, a double stomp off the ropes, and then goes for the pin and gets the one, two, three, and pins Kushida. And that gives Teton two points. Now, you know, I know this is best of the Super Juniors, and it's, you know, if the champion doesn't necessarily like win or at least get some points, you know, it's a bad look on the champion because then you know you watching this and in, in kayfabe form you're like well you know then why is he champion like if he can't at least defend you know the throne or the championship title with like that honor because he's in this uh tournament you know then what's the whole point and you know i was thinking the same thing when it came to kushida versus teton and kushida losing i'm like Bro, you and Kevin Knight are uh, the IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions. And it's like, um, I know this is not for, you know, World Tag League or like Junior Tag League, but I think that the same thought process applies to it. You know, um, I know, again, not every wrestler is going to have like their day and not like every favorite wrestler is going to win. But just on the fact of, like, you're still representing, you know, somewhat of the junior division because they have a tag team division within the junior division, you would think that you'll be able to at least, um, you know, get some good victories, put on some good matches, you know, continue forward and prove that, you know, it wasn't a mistake to put championship titles on uh, people, you know, if if that makes sense. Like, that's the kind of thinking that I had when I saw this, like, surprise victory of Teton getting that over Kushida. Now, Kushida might be tired already into uh, this tournament. Um, there really is no rest periods, uh, as we see it in the previous tournaments, as, you know, rather than this one. Um, but, yeah, that was just, like, my thinking. Um all right, there's two more matches for me to go over. Um, so let's continue. Uh, block B, we had uh, Dan Maloney versus Yo. Uh, Dan really needs to find his groove if he's going to be in the junior division. Uh, I think for this match with Yo, I am probably going to be referring to him in a very loving way as Choppy Boy because... For the past three matches, it's been chops. And as you know, I have a uh, show, like a mini show, called Tape Study Tuesdays. Uh, this Tuesday, we're definitely going to be watching some Dan Maloney matches 
Um, if we can't do it on a Tuesday, we're going to do it on Thursday. I just added Tape Study Thursday just to extend Tape Study Tuesday where we watch professional wrestling matches and or indie wrestlers can definitely give me their match to watch and give feedback live and in real time and work through stuff and suggest things and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, we'll watch some Dan Maloney matches, but right now I'm probably going to lovingly, like I said, um, nickname him Choppy Boy, because that's what he was doing in this match as well, trying to chop Cho, I mean, yo, sorry, trying to chop yo, uh, which Dan really did get some chops on yo, and yo got some chops on Dan, but Dan, like, freaking ate that shit for breakfast, so it's like, you know, you gotta, like, chop him just a little bit harder. Uh, we got a back body slam on Yo. Again, Dan with the chops. Uh, Yo brought out the machine gun chops to Dan. I swear, man. All I have here is like chops. Um, again, on commentary, they mentioned that Rhino's gore was passed down to uh, Dan Maloney. So uh, when Dan hits the spear... They did. They really did like go gore, gore, gore. Which I'm just like, should I put that on here? Is that like not infringing on like character or move set? Like I don't know. Um, so Dan does do the gore. Okay, that okay. That sounded weird. Like it sounded okay, like in my head, but I don't know. It just sounded weird. Uh, so after. Uh, Dan does the gore or the spear. He follows that up with the driller killer to yo, which is basically him doing an inverted uh, straight jacket power driver to uh, his opponent. And Dan goes in, pins yo, and Dan gets uh, two points. Very, very interesting. Um, this time around for character development, because if you guys were not listening, to me and uh, King Reezy in the last one, uh, we agreed that Yo is eventually going to become this careless uh, heel. And I could definitely like see it. So here's a character update. Uh, in this match with Dan Maloney, it was more like uh, a teasing type of thing. Almost like he's sort of forming a chip on his shoulder. Uh if you guys don't know, Dan Maloney is uh, new to wrestling in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And him being in Best of the Super Juniors is his debut of, like, being in New Japan and in the junior division. And he is part of the United Empire. Him facing Yo, you know, again, Yo is getting a personality. And, like, Yo is just uh, being that careless, being that, like, you know, oh, you know, what you going to do, you know? Uh, you know, chop me, like, oh, but you can't catch me type of thing. Like, you know, there's something developing here. Uh, so I really want to see what Yo does in the next couple of months. Um, all right. Our last match to talk about, um, it's, it's, it was the semi-main event, Block B, Master Wado versus Despy. Now, this match, I'm not even gonna get into most of the um most of the move sets and all of that. I'm telling you guys a story right now. So El Desperado has a very deep, you know, love and passion for professional wrestling. El Desperado pushes himself to like damn near to the 
best limits that his body can go. Um, and also, El Desperado has done like two death matches, one in Japan and then the other one uh, with John Moxley. And, you know, El Desperado is always like reinventing himself. Uh, he's always the go to wrestler for uh, other wrestlers to prove themselves against him and to prove to New Japan Pro Wrestling why they belong. There's also that time of, you know, um, there was a triple threat match of, like, El Desperado and, like, Robbie Eagles, and I forgot the other wrestler's name, but this was during a Wrestle Kingdom, and, man, it was, you know, amazing. Um, the, time that Desper uh, the time that Desperado fought uh, Wheeler Yuta at, you know, the last uh, Best of the Super Juniors, um, you know, all of that, like, he pushes wrestlers to their limit when he knows they got potential, but he doesn't really see it. So he does things in his match that really brings out the best. Now, he has a problem with Master Wado. You heard in the last uh, Twitter spaces that I gave Master Wado a lot of praise. And I was like, I agree with TJP that Master Wado has all this talent, but he doesn't know how to use it. So let's, you know, bring all of that and let's bring in the stuff that Desperado says. Desperado, like, Faced Master Wado um, a while ago, but this was at the time where Master Wado was still trying to figure out what does Master Wado mean, like his moveset, you know, uh, like he was trying to find his place. And when I, when I say he, I mean Master Wado. He was trying to find his place um, oh so long ago when he encountered Desperado, and Master Wado was put into the situation of facing Hiromu, Desperado, and, uh, like, uh, Yoshinobu, you know, like, the veterans of, uh, the junior division. Obviously, New Japan Pro Wrestling has a lot of faith in Master Wado. If not, they would have never given him so much opportunity like they have. And honestly, every single opportunity they have given Master Wado, he has taken it, and he has done, you know, amazing things with it. So, El Desperado in his promos would usually say something along the lines of that, like, you know, he hates Master Wado's hair, he hates his 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 gear, um, he hates everything about him. Like he doesn't see Master Wado as someone who has like a passion and a love for for wrestling. Like he hates the the flippy stuff that Master Wado does. Like He's just like, why are you here, sir? <laughs> like, why are you doing all of this? So, you know, obviously El Desperado just writes him off. So this match was more about proving to Desperado that Master Wado can hang with him. And, you know, Master Wado is a really good wrestler. He could really come into his own. Uh, El Desperado is just on another level, to borrow that phrase from Will Ospreay. But Master Wado did, you know... Uh, do something in this match that he doesn't really normally do. Um, for the past two nights, uh, the wrestlers that uh, El Desperado has been facing has been definitely focusing on his knee. And it seems like a good chunk of the matches that I've seen Desperado um, fight, they always like focus on his knee. Always, always, always on, on his knee. So uh, the one time where like Master Wado decides to attack Desperado's knee. You know, I thought we were going to get that, like, tiny bit more aggressiveness. Um, 
you know, uh, for that. Um, but, you know, Masawato doesn't really attack someone's, like, targeted bad knee or, like, a bad shoulder. Like, he really wrestles, like, a really nice match. But in this one, because it's Desperado, he's like, nah, fuck that. Like, I'm going to go after his knee. Um, and so he did for a little bit. And then I believe I might get, like, his finishers wrong. But he does, uh, I think they called it a TTD, which I don't really remember, like, what the acronym stands for. But this is um, Masawado hoisting up the wrestler on his shoulder and bringing the wrestler down sort of like a shoulder break-ish in a way, but, like, all their weight just comes down as well. Uh, you have to, like, watch the match to actually see it happen, but that's the best of my ability for me to explain it. Uh, so that happens. And, you know, normally you would go for a cover because that should be, like, a knockout. It looked like a knockout. Even Kevin Kelly was screaming from, you know, the desk, like, to cover him. Like, he should have covered him. But because of everything that El Desperado has said about Master Wado, uh, he wants to make sure that when he hits this top rope move that, like, you know, it solidifies him to get at least a little bit, like, um, respect from uh, El Desperado. So Master Wado goes out, goes to the top rope, and does this, like, corkscrew... Uh, what did I put here? Like this twisting corkscrew top rope move and El Desperado moves out the way. So Masawato, um, uh misses it. So Desperado does a spear and then uh, his finisher um, and Masawato kicks out the first time. However, uh, Mas- uh, what is it? El Desperado follows it up with a right hand punch. And then Pinche Loco. And then Desperado goes for the cover. One, two, three. And that gives El Desperado his two points for Best of the Super Juniors. And that is me talking about every single match for night three at Nagoya for today. Breezy, you still with me? I'm still with you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, man. Oh, good. I want to make sure my mic wasn't messed up. But yeah, I'm still with you. All right. Um, you're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, no problem. I don't like. I like. I like listening to you. So it's, it's cool. I'm just chilling. I'm still here. I appreciate that. I am done talking about all the matches. Uh, are you done watching the show, or you like? What are you up to? I am at the Leo Rush match right now. Oh my god, that match is so good. Yeah, he's um, very good right now. Uh, right now, I don't know how much longer it is in the yeah. juniors, but it looks like, I mean, Mike Bailey is killing it. I believe after this night, I'm going to have to do, uh, I'm going to have to tally up the, the stuff, um, but I think he's in the lead for like six points. Mm. So I wonder how much I wonder, I wonder how many more people he got left. Um, it's all the way until um, I believe the week before, so maybe until like the twenty fifth ish. Um, because Leo like, is doing good too. Yeah. Um, I'm sure soon we'll get Mike Bailey and Leo. 
Somebody, I don't, man, at this point, I'm like, I don't know who. I'm trying to look for something. Okay, so uh, because Mike Bailey is in block A, he's currently, I know he's currently leading um, uh, the, the block. And Leo, oh, shit. They're both in block A. Oh, wow. Okay. So I gotta, I gotta look at my, I gotta look at my chart while I, while I do this. Um, I didn't, I didn't know they're both in block A. I thought they were at least in, in block B. That's what I thought. I thought Leo was in block B. Also, oh, Lee. Okay, so yeah, Leo and Mike Bailey are both in Block A. And after uh, today, right? Usually, I, I would do the the updated stuff, like you know, on a Tuesday. Since I would do like two group them by two, but I'll just do it right now. I'll just say it. So currently, Leo Rush will be at six points, and Mike Bailey is going to be at six points. So both of them lead um, uh, the the block. Let me see. Is Taiji? Did I say Taiji won his? Yeah. So Taiji, Leo Rush, and Mike Bailey right now stands at six points. That's awesome. Yeah, for block A. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, and then it also comes down to like, like I said before, that in the event that, you know, if, Leo or Mike Bailey don't win this, they do have future opportunities to face uh, Hiromu if Hiromu is still, uh, you know, champion. Interesting. Yeah. Um, they might end up making it, I don't know, I, uh, not confirmed or anything, but like, you know, I wouldn't mind if it's like a triple threat between Bailey, Leo Rush, and uh, Hiromu and see what happens. But yeah, um, so, you know. That that's for that's for that. Wow. Yeah, man. This has been very good. And I think after this, it's the tag team juniors cup, right? Uh after this feels more like the G one. Because oh, yeah, it's the G one, right, right, yeah. right, right, right. And then heading towards winter, it should be uh like world tag league, and I'm not sure where they're gonna fit in uh the junior tag league. Um they right. might they they might combine World Tag League and, and Junior Tag League like they did last time. And man, me trying to uh cover that shit. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Um the G one I'm really excited for. Um, yeah. I'm thinking um man. I wonder who they're gonna put in the G one. I have no idea, dude. Like I, I wanna see uh I want to see what they uh, what they do, um, but yeah, uh, that's that's gonna be it for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap things up, but I am really glad that you're enjoying the show. And then Thank my takes and like my yeah, just my takes in the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, you have a good one. It's always a put. It's always enjoyable talking with you. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Keep up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let me wrap up this episode. Uh, thanks for listening to night three of me recapping Best of the Super Juniors. This was a spotlight match. I hope you guys 
enjoy Best of Super Juniors for the rest of the month. I will be back with another Twitter space on Tuesday, maybe, because Tuesday is Tape Study Tuesday. That's where I watch professional wrestling matches, and hopefully I can have you guys there, and we could watch some Dan Maloney matches. We could talk about... Um, Best of Super Juniors there as well, but me doing this sort of spaces is a challenge for me to just practice more talking, uh, get more comfortable with just speaking uh, with myself and with others. Because uh, normally I would do this on my laptop, I would open up Audacity and then hook up everything for like my podcasting stuff, and then just podcast away and edit as I go. But this is in real time where like I'm thinking a million things a second. Talk out top of my head. I don't have a script. Uh, you get the authentic version of Marie Shadows when I cover professional wrestling. And I want to make sure that people understand and know how I podcast because I want to elevate wrestling. I want to elevate wrestlers. And if you ever want to, you know, send me a DM and be like, hey, can I get feedback on something? I will probably give you feedback because I love to give wrestlers feedback and try to uh Help them out in this crazy world that we call professional wrestling. Uh, as always, um, you know, tell a friend, share this with somebody, um, and uh, yeah, show us some love. Like, I don't really know. Uh, if you guys are not following me on my Twitter, just go do so. It's right here, Marie Shadows. Just hit that follow button for more wrestling uh, fun talk and stuff. Uh, if you're not following my wrestling newsletter over at Substack, marieshadows.substack.com, a lot more content is coming to the newsletter, so sign up for that. That wrestling newsletter is an extension of everything that I do. So if I don't get to talk about something on here with you, it's most likely going to be on the newsletter. Um, and then also... Follow me on kick.com forward slash Marie Shadows. I have a Discord, which I made a whole entire thread about like all of my stuff, including my new interview with Ray Jazz. If you have not seen the video, please go do. The audio will be up um, you know, a little bit uh later. I hope you enjoy this um review of Best of the Super Juniors. And I hope to interact with you guys more on Twitter as well. So you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next.